for joining me today. Hey, I know, listen, I say it all the time, but I gotta say I am excited. Can I tell you something? Listen, beloved. There is an unspeakable, unexplainable, explicit joy when you begin to fall in line with the things that God has prepared for you. You you can be accomplishing, if you don't already know, let me tell you something. You can be accomplishing kingdom exploits. But until we begin to do the things specifically tailored for our own life, that plan, you know, that plan that it talks about that God had for us when we were yet in our mother's womb. When we begin to walk that plan out, in other words, obedience is better than sacrifice. When we begin to walk that plan out, there is a harvest that we can reap now because we're sowing into a different type of ground. Listen, even doing the things of God, doing kingdom exploits, doing kingdom work, it will always yield something. But let me tell you something. There is a benefit that we will not be able to tap into lest we begin to walk out that perfect will of God for our lives. And beloved, let me tell you something. It's, it's, it's exciting. It's, it makes you feel excited. So when I come on here and I begin to do what God has called me to do, I get excited. So yeah, you're going to hear me make that statement over and over. And you know what? Hey, even greater statements, <laughs> you know, you're going to hear me say it over and over again. I love, I love the Lord. I love the things of God. I love the things of the kingdom. And I am excited. I'm, I really am. Now, Okay, on to the matter at hand. Okay, uh, right now, this is part two. Part two of the makeover. And if you have not already listened to part one of the makeover, I want to make a recommendation that you do so. And the reason being is because it begins to lay a foundation of what this makeover is. We want to answer key questions like what is the makeover and why is it important? What does it do? What are the benefits of it? Things like like that. And we're still in the foundational stages. We're still laying a foundation, a comparable foundation. And so you haven't missed a lot, right? We're just on part two of it. But it last week, the question there was, what do you look like? Are you a dime? Are, what do you look like? Are you, are you attractive in the spirit? When, when, a, when, when a demon sees you like they saw the sons of Sceva, do they see you or do they see Christ in you? 
What do you look like? What does your soul, do you have a beautiful soul? What do you look like? And remember the standard of beauty in this case, in terms of the makeover, is going to be, and you know it, we've talked about it before, in God's image and in God's likeness. That is the standard of beauty here. And we can't really quantify it, right, in the natural necessarily because we are serving a God who we've never seen. I mean, honestly, we're serving a God who we've never seen. So the way we have to measure this, the way God gave us to measure this, and we we covered all this last week, was based on our fruit. Proverbs 12 and 12. The root well, the root of man, it said, will always bear fruit. The root of man will always bear fruit. And so that is the standard that we use, which is in his image and his likeness. And the measure, the measurement or the yardstick that we use would be um, how we bear fruit, right? So then the question again was, what do you look like? Okay. Now this week, we are going to be covering a different question, a slightly different question. And that question is going to be, what is your ability? What is your ability, right? What is your, what is your ability? What is your desired outcome? And we're going to unfold all that. We're going to break it down, discuss it in more detail, unpack it, however you want to see it. We're going to do all of that. These are all Selah type moments, things that we really need to think about, things that we need to think about in advance, you know, begin to really reflect on. And so again, if you haven't had the opportunity, I really want to recommend that you go and cover part one and then come back and take a listen to part two. Amen. And so we were uh, coming out of the text of Mark chapter four, verses three through six. Okay. And uh, before we get into that text, um, I want to just lay a quick foundation that Mark chapter four, okay, verses three through six dealt with uh, a parable. And that parable was the uh, analogy of the seed sower. And in this case, the seed sower, of course, was a type of Christ or um, <clears throat> dealing with the father's heart toward us. Okay. And the seed that he was sowing, uh, was symbolic of the word of God, okay? So we have the sower symbolic of Christ and we have the seed that's being sowed, which is really symbolic of the word of God. They're talking about, he's talking about, this is Jesus telling this parable and he's talking about the word of God. And as he's talking about the seed, he's talking about the different types of soil or ground that the seed is being sowed in, and that soil is symbolic of the heart of man. So we're dealing with receptivity of the word of God and the heart of man. Amen? Okay, and so Mark chapter 4, verse number 3 reads, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower 
to sow. Now, the sower to sow, again, is symbolic of Christ. And it, and it tells us the Father's heart toward us, right? When we look at the sower in this parable, we see the symbol of Christ. And when we examine the parable, we see God's heart toward us. Why do I say that? Well, when we look at the sower of seed, just that concept alone, the sower of seed, number one, we see God's intent to multiply good and to be fruitful, right? Because the, the, the purpose of a sower is to sow seed and what? And bear a harvest, right? So it's that same, very same instruction that he gave to all mankind and quite frankly, all of creation in the beginning to be fruitful and multiply after your own kind with the understanding that we will reap what we sow. Because remember, again, Proverbs chapter 12 and 12 states that the root of man, notice that analogy that it uses, the root of man will always bear fruit, right? The root of man, meaning the heart, dealing with the core. So not the bark of the, 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 the individual, not the, the branch, and we're using that tree analogy there, not the bark, not the branch, not the leaf, and not even the fruit, because even though the fruit carries the seed, the onus of fruitfulness and multiplication is on the root. Now, the quality and type of root that we possess is directly related to the overall health and wellness of, number one, the seed that's being planted, and number two, the soil that it's being planted in. Now, right in this juncture, I want you to take a mental note. In this text. Now, the quality of the seed and the quality of the sower never came into question. If you search this parable, the quality of the seed and the quality of the sower never came into question. Only the quality of the soil and the environment that surrounded it. Similar to where it says, giving a good example would be where it says that some fell by the wayside, right? And I want you to examine that carefully because still we're dealing with the quality. Okay, let me, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Now, if we examine the text very carefully, we'll see that despite the surrounding environment being out of our control, such as, like I said, the birds that came to eat the seed that fell by the wayside. The onus of a good quality root is still on the seed and the soil. You can have birds that come and eat the seed and you can have a hurricane and a tornado all around the environment. The only way to grow a root, it has to be between two factors, soil 
and the seed. The soil and the seed. Now you're going to have some nurturing factors. Like the hydration. But the two main factors, and we're just dealing with, the only thing we're dealing with, and we're not, we're not dealing with the water and all that stuff like that. Primarily, we'll, we're dealing with what the parable has mentioned, okay? We won't deal with all the, we're going to deal with the elements that the parable is mentioning, and that is this, the birds that came to eat it, where it fell, and the seed in the soil. And again, I want you to take note. The seed, the quality of the seed, never came into question, right? Whether it's GMO, non-GMO, none of that stuff. None of that stuff. The quality of the seed never came into question. Therefore, we assume, based on this parable, that the seed is perfect, right? And so that would only leave one factor in this entire equation that can ultimately determine the outcome of the harvest. And that is the soil. It's the soil. Now, why is this considered an honorable mention? Well, number one, because the one who's relaying the message of this parable wants the reader to see that, first of all, the seed carries the capacity and it carries the capacity of unlimited outcome. And number two, despite the surrounding environment, the outcome of the harvest will be determined by the overall health and wellness of the soil. Now, I want to show you something about the heart of the father. And I see this. It's a very, very, very common theme when we see parables that are dealing with multiplication. Okay. Remember that I said that the authoritative character in this parable or all these parables that deal with multiplication symbolize the Christ. And the varying types of, of examples, like for instance, with the servants and the talents, and in this case, the different types of soil, these are always examples that are symbolic of the potential outcomes of the believer. I find that to be a very common thread. I do. Within, within these parables that deal with multiplication. And this theme, of course, as we know, leads all the way back to Genesis 1 and 27. And, and that is this. The Lord will always establish the capacity of the individual. The capacity or the potential. And I want to show you this in more detail. Meaning the overall potential or capability that that individual has to perform. And secondly, he will always make provision through the form of resources. So that that individual can perform. 
All right. So he marries the capacity of the individual with provision for the individual, thereby equipping that individual to achieve their fullest potential or their desired outcome. And these two factors, these two things, the fullest potential and the desired outcome can be one and the same, but they're not always. Now, we see this in Genesis 1 and 26 and 27, when God said this, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule. So we see the the intended capacity or potential of mankind was to rule over the things of the earth. And I would say that's a pretty large capacity, wouldn't you? It's pretty large, pretty, pretty, pretty grand potential. And then so now it says he created mankind in his image and likeness, thereby establishing the capacity to rule. And I want you to see this next line, right? Where he made the provision, okay? So he established the potential. Now he's about to make the provision. It says, verse 27 says, so he created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Now, verse 28 says, and God blessed them. Now, in those three little words, God blessed them. I want you to see the provision. God blessed them. How did God bless Adam and Eve? (laughs) Well, (laughs) let me tell you, for starters, God gave them good health, marriage, right? Land. The Garden of Eden was a vast territory. God even became more specific when he said he gave them every seed bearing plant. Here it is on the face of the earth. He even gave them cattle and it says, and all. He used the word all. It says, and all the beasts of the earth. He gave it to Adam and Eve now. And then it says, and all the birds of the sky. Now, listen, (laughs) that's, that's provision, right? Not some, but all, all. And then immediately following, after he has equipped them through capacity and provision, He now has the right to lift an expectation. And so he now says to them, be fruitful and multiply. Why? Because he's equipped them to do so. The only other consideration or factor, because he's ruled out any excuses, the only other consideration or factor is man's will. And we see this also in the parable of the talents, 
where the parable started out by saying that the master, the rich man, I think some translations say, the rich man made provisions to each servant. Remember, there was a servant that had five talents, two talents, and then the other servant had one talent. It says he made provisions to each servant based upon their ability. So now again, we see that theme of the potential or the capacity of the individual or of the servants in this case. And if we apply it to ourselves, the potential of the believer, right? And it says, and then he went on to make the provision by again, providing one servant with five talents, the other servant with two talents, and the last servant with one talent. Okay. And before the rich man went away on a long journey, he said to the servants, multiply and increase. Why? Because they were equipped to do so by the rich man. So at this point, he had a right to raise an expectation. And so the rich man ruled out any excuses. And there simply left one factor, and that was the will of each of the, the, servant, of the servants. And their will directly determines their desired outcome. And remember, the desired outcome is predicated on the will of man. Your potential outcome, however, is predicated on God's will for us. So if I were to establish, say, an equation for the will of man and the will of man, a.k.a. the root, because we were dealing with the root in this parable, right? So the will of man is the same thing as saying the root, where it says Proverbs 12 and 12 says the root of man will always bear fruit. Okay. That is directly governed by the will. Okay. So if I were to make an, uh, if I were to make, say an equation for this, I would say desired outcome over potential outcome equals the will. Right. It's going to give you a final answer, but we can say that that final answer is equivalent to the will of man, right? Potential outcome being in the denominator and desired outcome being the numerator equals the will. And of course, potential outcome in this case with the parable in Mark chapter four that we're dealing with, the potential outcome would be 100 fold. That would be the potential outcome, 100 fold. And the desired outcome based upon your will and what we invest would be the either 30, 60 or the 100. It can look like your fullest potential or it can look like some rendition or some variation thereof. Are you with me? Is this making sense? So the question is, 
is our desired outcome going to look like? The potential outcome, which is our maximum potential or our maximum capacity or another way of saying it, God's will for us or God's plan for us. Or will it be some rendition thereof? Now, let's continue within the text and look at the endless possibilities of potential versus the desired outcomes. Now, verse number four says, and he sowed, talking about the sower now, and he sowed some and some seed fell along the path and the birds came along and devoured it. Now, we've touched on this a little bit before. This version of the text says the path. Some versions say the wayside, right? Which means, of course, a course. Now, the path, if you look up the definition of a path, it's a course or a direction which a person is taking. Are you hearing me? The direction in which an individual is moving. Now, let me ask you a CELA question. Are you moving toward God or away from God? We're talking about the seed that fell along the path, the path, the path, or the wayside. Now, the wayside, if you look at that definition, or you're using that version, the wayside simply means the edge of something. Another definition of the wayside is the failure to accomplish an endeavor. So the direction that a person is taking or moving or the edge of something or the failure to accomplish an endeavor. Are you moving towards God? Or are you moving away from God? Now, the way that we're going to quantify this part right here in there, in, right in here, this part of this text is to find out what the standard is in this parable. What is the standard? How can we really quantify this path, the seed that fell along this path? Well, similar to how the law is used to establish sin. See, where there is no law, we wouldn't really know sin exists, right? So because the law is the standard, so now when we have that standard lifted up, we can determine that there is sin. We can determine that there is a value there because there is a standard. And just like last week, when we determined that the standard of beauty, of course, or the standard of the makeover here in this, in this particular lesson, the standard of this makeover is predicated upon the image and the likeness of God. That's the ultimate standard of which we are to measure ourselves up to. So then the standard in this parable would be found in verse number eight. And I want to read it to you where it says, and the others fell on good soil. 
Or in KJV version, it says fertile ground or fertile soil, right? So some fell by the wayside, but then there's some that fell on fertile soil. Now, I want to say that this is the standard in this parable. And how do we know that? Well, we know that because we know that this is the standard because it is the only type of soil out of the varying types that bore a harvest. I want to repeat that. This is the only type of soil that bore a harvest. And remember, the goal of the sower is to sow seed and bear a harvest. So since this is the type of soil that accomplished the goal of the sower, this is the standard that we are to use, if that makes sense. And so the path in this case, the path that this seed fell on, right? The direction that this individual's heart was set up could not have been toward the plan, the plan of God for their lives. Because why? It didn't bear fruit. But rather, it fell by the wayside. This area of the soil, if we looked at the definition of it being just the edge of something, it wasn't fertile. It could be the edge, but it can still be fertile. In this case, it wasn't fertile soil. Right? Which implies that there is a lack of cultivation. We have a part of the soil that is considered the wayside or a failure to accomplish a particular endeavor, right? Because it was not fertile. And if it were not fertile, then that means that there is a lack of cultivation that falls on soil that is not fertile. Number one, the soil doesn't take it in and begin to break it down and create roots. And if we were to look at this analogy as it pertains to the believer and hearing the word of God, it would be the equivalent of hearing the word of God and not being a doer. Why? Why couldn't you possibly be a doer? Because remember what happens here. The birds came along and ate it up. So there may be times where we can hear the word of God. And I want to admonish anyone who may have been guilty. I think we maybe, I want to say, but I can't say for sure, that we may have all been at some point in our development guilty of this very thing hearing the word of God and not applying it, not doing it, not meditating on it, not allow it to sink deep down and do its work. There, there may be times where you've heard the word of God and 
There are some things that you like, some parts that you didn't like. And so consequently, we make the decision at times, not always the best decision, of course, to take the parts. And it may even be a situation where some parts seem to be easier and more manageable at that season in our walk. Where we hear something and we say, you know, that, that's, nah, that's the area I don't really feel like dealing with right now, Right? That's the area, it's that, no, that's, yeah, I'm going to put that on the back burner. And, you know, I like this part, I'm going to tackle that part right here. And this part, mm, I'll deal with that later. And sometimes later may never come. And therefore, again, when harvest times come, that part that remains uncultivated, right? You may, if you bear a harvest in that area, you may bear a harvest that is lacking, famished, meaning it's lacking nutrients, it's lacking development. There are, there are dozens of outcomes that could result when we make the decision, right, to not take in and deal with the word of God. Or we pick and choose. We pick and choose. I'll deal. I'll take this part. I won't take that part. And so conse consequently also, we may even hear something in our hearing. Now, how about this concept? We may hear something in our hearing. And because it didn't still yet fall on fertile soil, it has not yet been cultivated, right? Quickly, when the tests and the trials come, right? And I want to make sure I say this clearly. When the tests and the trials come, and that word, which may, during the test, have sustained us. It may have sustained us had it been planted in good soil and been cultivated. We meditated on it, right? And we allowed it to be incorporated into our being. Because the, the word of God says that the word of God bears fruit all over the world. It bears fruit at all times, so the word of God is always bearing fruit if we let it. So now we may, it, it may have fallen in our hearing, but not on fertile soil. So it fell on the wayside. And when the test and the trial comes, that very word that could have been used to sustain us very quickly is eaten by the birds. Doubt. Doubt creeps in and immediately that word that would have sustained us had we stood on it goes out the window. It has no sustaining power. It has no sustaining power. Doubt comes right in and it's thrown out the window as if we never heard it. What is the point of hearing it? It fell on deaf ears. 
And so, you know, th- these are just different analogies that we're, we're taking a look at here and why it's so imperative that, because ultimately this, this, this text is dealing with our, as believers, our receptivity and cultivation of the word. How do we handle the word of God? How do we as believers handle the word of God? Are we receptive? Are we hearers and doers? Are we pickers and choosers? You know? And so, with that said, beloved, um, we're going to get, we're going to pick it up again next week. I see that we're at about 38 minutes here and I try to keep these, these podcasts between, uh, I'd say 30 to 45 minutes, honestly. Um, so that hopefully even the busiest of believers, you know, may make the decision to stop and take a listen, you know, and we can all, be proactive and work these things out together. Um, so I'm going to end the podcast at this point, And I'm going to refresh the question. What is your ability? And let me say this because I want to be encouraging. I want to be encouraging right here for anyone. And this is not something that I'm saying I saw in the scripture, but based on my understanding of these recurring themes um, when, as it pertains to multiplication, I just want to give a little encouragement right here. If for some reason you happen to be that believer, right, where it says with the servants and the talents, there was a servant who only received one. And it says that he received that one based on his ability. I want to say this, that our ability oftentimes it's most likely predicated upon our will, okay? And uh, let me give you an example, a personal example. There were times where I understood God's plan for my life and I had a desire to fulfill it, but I fought it, not in, from the perspective of fighting it because I didn't want to do it, but I fought it in the sense where I allowed distractions to come in, right? So instead of making myself available, understanding that God's will and plan for my life is superior, I thought that there were other things that I may have needed to do at the time. Like maybe I needed to work more hours or maybe I needed to take care of other things and I'll get around to that. And sometimes that time of me getting around to it never came, you know? And so that's a part of it too. That's a part of our will, you know? Um, uh, And how well we're willing to do what God has called us to do. So needless to say, during that season of my walk, I was not able to experience the fullness of God's plan for my life. I was not able to experience God's best for my life, 
during that season because of my willingness. If you look at the servant that had the five talents, he demonstrated, right, to the master or to the rich man that he was willing to perform on the level that he had been equipped to perform. Whenever we fall short, beloved, we might even bear a harvest that's 30 or 60 fold. But if we fall short, if God has equipped you with five talents and you have the potential to multiply it to 10 and you only multiply three and you bury two, you see where I'm going with this, right? You did not perform at your fullest potential. And to whom much is given, much is required. And we, we become accountable. We become accountable for that. Okay? So let me encourage you in this area that if right now you're a believer who may have only been allotted or given two talents or one talent based on wherever you are right now in your season, know of a surety that God is the God of a multiplication, and, and given the example again, the, the, the servant with the five talents, he started out with the capacity of five, but he multiplied it. And that capacity turned to 10. And then he was given the one talent that the other servant had buried. So now he had 11. So now his capacity just went from five to 11. So, it, so what, I'm, what I'm implying is this, that that ability could just simply be based on where you are in your walk with God and what you are willing to do. When your willingness increases, your capacity or your, when your willingness increases, your ability Increases The capacity is always there. But when your willingness increases, your ability increases. My ability is not the same now that it was 10 years ago. And so, again, I want to encourage you that, you know, God gives us what we can handle. You know, Looking at our stewardship of his word. What, what, what is our steward? What is our, and that's a question. That's an individual question. That's something that you and the Lord can answer only. What is, what is your stewardship of what he's given you? Have you begun to walk and complete the things that he's already given you? I had to ask myself these same questions. You know, have we begun to walk out what he's already provided So that we can make room. We have to empty out. We can't continue to get and get and get and be full. We have to empty out of ourselves. Empty out. And the Lord can provide more. You know? And so those are just some of the questions. What are your ability? What are your ability? What are your ability? What is your desired outcome? Does it line up with your potential? Right? Okay. Beloved, thank you again for joining me. 
It's almost 45 minutes. I want to be true to this. Um, I hope you'll join me next week or later on this week, whatever the the Spirit of God uh, impresses upon me to do. I thank you for joining me. I thank you for taking the time out to uh, really break bread and examine the Word of God. Seeking transformation, ultimately seeking transformation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I hope you'll be joining me next time. Amen. God bless.